1: Just a quick note
0: before we get started that this is part of our Blast from the Past series, where we celebrate one of the incredible women in tech from our archive. And if you're a new listener or you're just looking to be inspired, dig into the back catalog. There are literally hundreds of stories to choose from. Enjoy the episode.
1: I think it's really just preparing for a no and to be ready for that, because I think that's where I need to be. And I don't think anyone that I've put on my list to ask, like I know that they believe in me and believe in this idea.
0: We want to give a huge shout out and thank you to Gus for powering this episode. Thank you so much for one supporting the community and for believing in the LA tech ecosystem. My name is Espri Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. Can know what resources, mentors, and life situations they accessed in order to get to where they are today. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast. Yes, we are here in Los Angeles, California, soon to be in New Zealand, celebrating women in tech around the world. And today I get to celebrate someone incredible who knew nothing about tech, but wrote a thesis paper about a company and then made that a reality.
1: Hello, Jennifer. Hello. So go ahead, introduce yourself, and tell us about what you do. So my name is Jennifer Miller, and I'm the founder of Justice Tickets. We are getting ready and almost there, about to finally put ourselves out into the world. We are a new exclusive secondary marketplace for concert tickets. So if you need to sell your concert ticket and you wanted to make sure it went to someone that loves that artist, you would come to our site. And how it works, users log on, they connect us with their Twitter and their Spotify, and that's kind of just our starting point. And we'll pull data in from that and be able to go in and award them passion points. And they use those to, be, to gain access into our marketplace. And from there, on our seller side, they're only allowed to market up by 20 percent of face value, which kind of answers all the questions and the problems that the secondary market has, because it's all based around that these tickets are way too expensive. So from that total sale, 80 percent goes back to the seller, 10 percent comes to our company and then 10 percent goes to the artist who usually never sees anything and they can make the choice to either donate it or take it in themselves.
0: And now, so one of the main differences
1: between some of your
0: competitors out there and Justice Tickets is, one, the artist gets paid. And you mentioned that they rarely get uh, get anything from it. And it's also lower-priced tickets than the competitors. So you're making it more accessible for passionate fans to be able to see their favorite performers. Exactly. And... Why this company? How did it start?
1: So the company started out as my thesis project. I was with Boston University's Media Ventures Program. And so it was a little mix between like an MBA and media studies. And it was always kind of just like pick something you love because it's going to be with you. Yeah. And so I just sat down and I was like, what's something that makes me mad every day? Right. And I think starting there and even before like sitting in classes of that's kind of where you should start really helped me like find something that I loved and I wanted to work hard on it. And it wasn't just a classroom project. It became something that I was like, wait, this could actually be something. Yeah. So it went from that and to where we are now with a little bit of encouragement from professors and other people that I met. And why
0: was it something that made you so angry? Why I feel that much passion for this? For me, a random pain point, a random industry. Where Where did that come from?
1: I know that I've missed out on sales so many times. They happen at weird times. or like, Sales, yeah. Yeah. Whether it's... I had something to do or I didn't have enough money in my account that day, but it was coming. Right, right. And I'd be like, okay, I'm ready. Like, let me go check. And it went from, yeah, I can afford these tickets to like, okay, this is not even possible. And it was just so frustrating. And then to see my friends when they needed to sell a ticket that, they knew that their artists would talk about like, hey, don't use these sites. Like we don't want them to exist. So they would turn to their Facebooks or to Reddit to try to like sell tickets. Right. And oftentimes just end up eating that cost and then no one's at the show. Yeah. So it's just people want to be there and we could fill these seats better. And that means better things for venues and better things for artists. And we just have to kind of, stick up for the fans more instead of just people that want to make some money
0: and when did you develop like a love for music I mean I think uh, we just as being a human you're crazy if you don't love music but when did you notice music played a more significant role in your life
1: I think the first time when I, it really kind of clicked with me was when I was old enough to realize what different music tastes my parents had and that I could see that my sister just stuck with my mom and I'd bounce back and forth. Like I wanted to listen to everything that my dad listened to. And I wanted to listen to everything that my mom listened to. And I wanted my friends to give me music. And it wasn't just like one genre and anything. And I would just sit and I would take the pamphlets out of CDs and just read about things that I didn't even understand. I had no idea what all of the production like credits and everything meant. But I was like, it was just like. I want to know more about these people. And it was weird that it never translated to me wanting to make music. Yeah. I just wanted to absorb it and then share it with people. I think that's one of the most fun conversations you can have with people is like, not just like, oh, who's your favorite artist? But kind of tell me about like songs that really mean something to you. Like it got you through something it makes you think of something in right. your life. So.
0: And, and that's why you created Within Justice Stick as passion points. Right. What are passion points? Like you connect with people Spotify and Twitter and tell us about that.
1: So we really want to look at the things that people are doing every day that support their artists. Um, a lot of these things, when tours come up, it adds an extra step of like, hey, show us you're a fan. Right. Um, but I'm a fan every day. Yeah. Why aren't you looking at that? So we're looking at things like if you're streaming them, um, if you're adding them to playlists, if you're following them and they might sound a little mundane for maybe like your Adele's or giant people, but um, especially kind of more up and coming artists that can really shift things for them. And I think fans know that and they know to talk about them on Twitter and to be able to share these things. And those are the fans that we want to look for, the people that every day want to talk about and share that this is the music that they listen to and they love. And you, you've you
0: been building out the technology over a year, which is crazy. I'm sure you're super eager and excited to get this out to the public, but you have to build the tech first in order for the public to have something to do this with. So how do you go about that journey? This went from a thesis paper and you didn't have a background in tech, right? When would you say you formed a passion for technology itself? I think
1: it kind of falls into the same category of music and it's <laughs> it comes into something that I love about myself, but it's also puts me in these situations is that I want to have a little bit of everything. I want to know a little bit of the, about yeah. this and a little bit about yeah. that. So I would always read about tech, and I liked playing with new gadgets and hearing about things and yeah, kind of learning how things work. But I never took the step of like, oh, how do you build that? Right. And it's, I love the macro ideas of it, and then I would try to learn to code, and I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so. It was that step, and but I could go in and I could talk to people that loved what they were talking about and wanted to talk to me about, like, data scientists, to talk to me about, oh, like, all this stuff that you can gain. These are the different ways that if you have that, how you can show your artists these different things and different ways to connect with their fans. Right. And so it was a lot of just really going through and talking to people and like hey do you have 15 minutes to kind of dumb this down as much as you can for me to understand like what are some terms that i should know right and really learning that because when you explain it and it's this big long thing of what justice tickets is i think everyone's like wow does that take a lot to build but everything kind of exists out there we just have to piece it together correctly who is your tech team so right now is I'm still just trying to find the right people. I've talked to a couple different people because I'm about to do a friends and family round. So it was just trying to really iron things out and get things ready. So I have a few people in mind, but no one exactly on board yet. But. And how do you
0: go through that process of a friends and family round? What does that look like? And did you have any resources that help you? Uh, keep that legit (laughs) right
1: so I knew that I needed to do it and I knew that I needed legal work done for it Um, and kind of the weird boilerplate things that pop up when you search them made me a little nervous and through the lovely community in LA I was able to find Gus launch at a general assembly event and they really help with everything so they helped me get incorporated and do all of that paperwork that you look at on your own and you're like this is horrifying mm-hmm. and they made it so simple that it was like these are the boxes you need to fill out click next <laughs> and oh my god i need that for life right <laughs> like every day
0: <laughs> here are the boxes you need to fill out
1: for today next <laughs> <laughs> and so I went with them, and at first I was like, oh, this is cool that they make it cost-effective and they make it understandable, and I knew that there were perks that came along with it, and then I didn't really realize how much they would be a support system until I started leaning on that support, Um, and so I had a call the other day with the lawyer that they put me in contact with, and they give you an hour free a month. They don't make you pay like the retainer, all of these crazy things that make lawyers so scary yeah. to people yeah, um, and not cost effective. They really help with that. So he sent me the paperwork yeah. and getting ready and going to go out and talk pe- to people and see his. So woman. scary. Yeah. How do
0: you mentally, like I've had to get friends and family stuff for the various startups I've had. and. I don't know. How do you mentally put
1: yourself? How do you ask? <laughs> How do you ask? Right. Um, I think I've written out 15 different ways I want to ask of, okay, is this person close to me? Can I go sit down with them? Because I'd rather do that. Um, or if they're not, can I get on a phone call with them? Or can am I going to have to send an email? And I think it's really just preparing for like a no. Yeah. And to be ready for that, because I think that's where I need to be, because if I'm like stomping in like, oh, I'm going to get a yes. And then it's no. And I don't think anyone that I've put on my list to ask, like, I know that they believe in me and believe in this idea. And but sometimes that doesn't translate to money. Yeah. And you just have to keep that in your head of, okay, what if this is someone that I really look up to and help me with this? But they said no to investing. Yeah. Um, it, that money doesn't always have to be the way that they invest in it.
0: And how will you be pitching it to them?
1: I think a lot of them are people that are close to me, um, family, and um, a couple of professors and people that I met through the program um, at BU. So just really. Boston University. Yes. and. Just being personable about it. Yeah. Like not like, all right, and this is where I'm gonna spend everything yeah. and like make it stiff. It's just gonna be a conversation yeah. of, hey, you've believed in me this far. Yeah. And you've pushed me and now I'm here. Yeah. And like, are you willing to like keep going down this road with totally.
0: me? Totally. Tell me more about your professor, um, where you wrote the thesis paper. I mean, your professor must be stoked. So
1: it was like a whole team. A whole team of, of professors. Yeah. So it was a thesis, like a thesis project. So we did, it's three semesters. And the first we were in Boston. Yeah. And it was very structured, like normal. Right. What you'd think of going to college, like classes three days a week. Yeah. And having to write papers and take tests. Yeah. Um, and then... We came out to L.A. for spring and summer, and they have us intern, and it's really just taking us and taking advantage of L.A. and everything that's going on here and teaching us how to pitch and teaching us different things that we need to know whether everyone planned on launching or not. right? And that's what really made it interesting was, like, some people were like, no, it's just fun, and this is where I'm at right now. Right. Um, And then others were going to go ahead and launch it. So it was throughout that program. We went from sitting in a room, just throwing out our ideas that we came up with to building them out and making business plans and making pitch decks and everything. And it culminates um, the final like big project is we have a pitch fest and they invite people in and we, Get to pitch, and so it's, and then you pitched, yeah. And and, the, so and it was what was that like? Team. Was it scary? Um, yeah. <laughs> 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 like it was, it was a weird mixture because we had practiced so much. Yeah, that I was like, I'm feeling good. I think it was more of not is the pitch going to go well, but how are people going to react to it? Right. It was. Like, a room of all kinds of people from all different backgrounds, and everyone was allowed to ask questions. So I think that was, like, the biggest thing. What's been your favorite concert of all time? Do you have one? Yeah. So the first year I went to Bonnaroo um, down in Tennessee, I decided to volunteer there because I didn't have enough money for a ticket. And... It was my senior year of high school, so I just graduated high school. And tell us what Bonnaroo is. So Bonnaroo is a big music festival in Manchester, Tennessee. And it was kind of the first one that came across my radar. And I was like, I get to camp and just watch music for three days? Like, okay, like, this totally makes sense. Yeah. And so I skipped Beach Week, which I guess is might not be a thing in L.A. because there's a a beach right there. But when you live in southwestern Pennsylvania, it's a big thing to drive six hours to the beach. Right. And have like that week after. And it fell at the same time. And I was like, I want to go watch music. That's what I want to do. And so I volunteered. And I remember it was it wasn't the last night. It was the night before, like the last day. Mm Um, an Arcade Fire was playing and I just had never been in a crowd that big yeah like I'd been at like big like pavilion shows yeah. and stuff but it's nothing compared to a festival and it was like so so hot all day and the sun was setting and it just started to like the perfect level of rain right like you weren't miserable but it cooled everything off and it was just like you would think like that many people like it would be insane. But everybody like, oh, excuse me. And like, right. <laughs> and it works. And it was just the first time I experienced being in like the just kind of the middle of nowhere um, where <laughs> they hold it. And people are there to just enjoy music. And like everyone's just hanging out and happy and no one cares no one's gonna judge you and everyone's right. just nice and so I like have just a vivid memory of being there and hanging out nice
0: I have three favorites first time I crowd surfed was at a Weezer concert nice. um oh I have to say Lagwagon Wagon was pretty good too <laughs> it's punk music and then uh I Matt and Kim that was do you know Matt and Kim yeah That was like an amazing show and um, I stole a kiss with a friend in the middle of the show. You know, like the energy was right. It was like just a cute, sweet thing, but it was like perfect energy. And then then last one is Gogo Badello, the only time I've been to Coachella. That was just an amazing performance. Right. Yeah. What is your biggest challenge that you've had in growing your company and that you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it?
1: I think... The biggest challenge was that I started trying to do it in a city that I was brand new in. Los Angeles. (laughs) I kind of, and definitely in a city where it's so big, it does matter who you know. Yeah. Um, And just really having to network like never before. (laughs) Yeah. um, something that I've definitely gotten a lot better at. Um, so it doesn't
0: come natural for you
1: Mm-mm, not at all <laughs>
0: what kind of what kind of you know advice would you give us on how to become more ca- uh, comfortable or adapt in, in order to form
1: more meaningful relationships at business events? um, so what i do i and I can like sit and I can talk business, and that makes sense, but like the small talk, I can't do it, yeah, so I know that I need. Something to lead in with, yeah. So I just play like fly on the wall for a while, and I'll listen into conversations. Um, like I guess that sounds rude, but <laughs> just I get it <laughs> to hear bits and pieces so that I can be like, okay, that's something I connect with. That's something I need, or I can help them. Yeah, like I heard them say something that they were looking for, and I think that's the best way. Right, is if I can help somebody. And I help them. Then it's like, oh, hey, do you know anybody that does this thing? Right. It's so much more likely to happen. Yeah. So.
0: That's cool. (laughs) Is there anything else that you wanted to say that
1: you haven't said yet? I think I grew up a lot in L.A. I was definitely a girl power girl. But I was like, no, but I'm one of the boys. And like I made myself go to women events because I was like I know I alienate women sometimes because I'll just be growing it up yeah. and like not realize that I should be doing something right so I was like I'm just gonna go and I'm just gonna listen to stories mm-hmm. and of all of these different things and I found so many women that felt the same way yeah that they're like it, it doesn't come naturally to me to like take care or um, do those things. Yeah, Like
0: what classically based on history and everything that this is what defines a woman and this is what defines a man. You're like, I
1: don't fit in those boxes. Right. Yeah. And to just really hear like it was hard for me to like connect with the women in my office. And that's what I always think about. I think, okay, if everything goes right and I have like a big, team how do I not make it perfect but make it so that everyone is comfortable yeah and not just like okay this is I come here and I feel safe but like I come here and I can actually be who I am right and because I think that's when you get the best out of people yeah and when they're like this is me like authentically this is me I can be weird and I can be silly and we can Create crazy ideas together. So
0: that's awesome. Thank you so
1: much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast
0: and especially for being so vulnerable because what you shared isn't easy. Like to put yourself, you're like, this is me and this is something I needed to improve on. And so I really appreciate your openness and the vulnerability and just spending time getting to know you a little bit. If you guys want to say hello, go to at Women in Tech Show on all the socials from Twitter, Instagram. And Facebook, I have one final question for you, Jen. Ready? Yes. So today I bought womenintech.co. We've been going by womenintechshow.com. Which
1: domain should we roll with? I'm going to go with the, like, weird advice that people give, like, if you walk away from something that you thought you loved, like then you really didn't love it. So go with the new thing. Oh. Because if you thought you needed to walk away from it, like if there was any little bit of thought there that you needed to, then oh, it, it has to just be in the past. Interesting. I like that. Thanks. You're welcome. Bye, everyone
0: you guys. I am so excited to have Gust in the studio with me. Gust solves such a huge pain point. When I met Tina from Gust, I was like, why did I not know about you or have something like you when I created my company?
2: Well, you know what? Most founders don't have $5,000, $10,000 to get that big name law firm. And frankly, you don't even need that, right? Like, we have developed a software solution that will help you do all of those things from an incorporation, formation, equity management perspective that you would be paying you know, $800 an hour to do. Why do that? We've built workflows, 99 bucks a month, and all of those things are taken care of for you in a way that you already understand. Our CEO is a serial entrepreneur, a serial investor, The only people he speaks to every day, they're entrepreneurs. So we understand exactly what you're going through and we want to be able to support and make your life easier in any way that we possibly can. So just go to Gus.com forward slash launch. Whoever you speak with, mention that, you know, we are LA Tech and we'll make sure to hook you up with an awesome 15% discount.